Good morning. I'm Brother Charles Burroughs, and I just want to say that I'm thankful for another opportunity to share a few thoughts from the Word of God with you today. Today, I want to talk about biblical community. And the reason I want to talk about biblical community is because we as humans all desire community. Ingrained deep down in each and every person is a desire to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves, to have relationships that are meaningful and relationships that provide support throughout life. We want to be a part of something that's bigger than just us. None of us want to be alone. All of us want to be a part of a community. God created us with an inherent desire to know other people and be in community with them. Webster's Dictionary defines the word community in the following way. A unified body of individuals that may live in an area together or share common interests. Now that's an okay definition, but the Bible reveals this idea of community to us in a much richer way, and that's what I'd like us to focus on today, biblical community. First, let's start by reading Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, and take a look at what I consider to be the foundational attitudes required for biblical community. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. Let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart, for you were in fact called as one body to this peace and be thankful. For biblical community to exist, our hearts have to be in the right place. We must demonstrate, just as the scripture says, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience with each other. Those character traits are what enables us to do what Paul asks in the next verse, and that's to bear with one another. And all the Apostle Paul is trying to say is that we should put up with each other. If we are a part of one body, one community, it means that because of the imperfections that exist in each of us, it's quite likely we will do something that will get on someone's nerves. And because this is the reality of relationships, we can't just choose to stop talking with someone because they upset us or stop going to the Bible studies at church because one person there said something that we didn't like. We have to bear with each other. We have to put up with each other. We have to accept the imperfections of each other and show mercy and show kindness. We have to approach our relationships with humility and with patience. This verse goes on and describes love as the perfect bond. Now, when I was thinking about what the perfect bond would look like, all I could think about was crazy glue. Crazy glue is something that once you get it on your hand and you touch that spot on your hand to anything else, it's stuck. I'm sure we've all used it 
And we know that if you spill that crazy glue anywhere and something touches that, it's stuck for a very long time. And this is what love is like in the church. It's that perfect bond. It keeps us stuck together. The Apostle Peter describes love by saying it covers a multitude of sins, which simply means it enables us to look past each other's faults as we strive to serve God together. Love is the perfect bond for biblical community. The second thing that is required for biblical community to exist is that there must be a collective desire to learn God's word and to pray together. It says in Acts chapter 2 verses 42, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, he uses the word there, devoting, and all the word means is giving all or most of one's time or resources to a person or activity. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, and they were devoted to prayer. Now, let's ask ourselves a question. For those of us who are Christians, we have Christian friends. How much time outside of church Bible studies, outside of Sunday morning service, do we spend studying the Bible and in prayer with those that we call our friends? This is absolutely important. It's quite easy as Christians to come together and hang out, to watch a movie, to talk about politics, to talk about world events, to talk about sports, to play games, to do all of these things. But often overlooked is spending time in the Word of God together as a community and spending time in prayer. This is absolutely important for having true biblical community. We cannot choose to neglect this. This is what the apostle Paul says that they were devoting themselves to, to the apostles teaching and to prayer. A very important lesson to be learned there. But just as important as it is to spend time together in the word of God and in prayer, it's equally as important that biblical community be a place of mutual confession. James chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. As believers, we know and understand that we are to confess our sins to God. But that is not the extent of the Bible's teaching on the importance of confessing one's sin. Often this passage of scripture is taught with the understanding of the word sick as referring solely to physical illness. But the original word also is understood as to be weak. The original word is applied both physically and spiritually in differing passages throughout scripture. In this instance, it is better understood as spiritually weak 
rather than physically sick, given how Paul ends this portion of scripture in verse 19 and 20 with the emphasis on the responsibility we have as believers to make an effort to turn someone who is straying away back to the gospel, restoring their soul in the process. This makes perfect sense given the nature of sin and what it does to the believer. It makes us defeated and weary, powerless and unmotivated to work effectively for the kingdom of God. If we are to grow together and have true biblical community, those who are struggling with sin, those who are struggling with faith, need to be encouraged to live right. They need someone to hold their hand and walk them through, helping them to overcome. But help can only be offered if the struggle is first known by the community. This is why we have to confess our sins to each other. We have to let each other know the things that are bringing us down, the things that are causing us to be defeated, the things that are causing us to be discouraged so that they can help, so that they can lift us up, so that they can motivate us to repent, to get back on the right track, and we can go forward together as a community of believers seeking to be effective in this world for the kingdom of God. After all, this is the same thing that Paul encouraged the early church leaders to do. He told them to encourage the timid and to help the weak. When he says help the weak, that's the same word that is used in James chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 when it asks, is anyone among you sick? It's the same word. So it's better to understand this as a weakness in the spiritual condition and that believers need to come together and confess those sins so that we can work together to get our brother out of that weakened spiritual state. For biblical community to exist, it must be a place of mutual confession among believers. But it also must be a place of restoration. And this is so important. Galatians 6 verses 1 through 2 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. This is often the place in biblical community where the self-righteous reside. People who can do no wrong and have no patience for those who do. People who are quick to point out transgressions of others but make no real efforts in walking a person through. This is not what the Bible teaches. How opposite is their behavior to the command that is found within this verse? To restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness and bear one another's burden. This speaks to coming alongside and helping each other to grow, helping each other to overcome the sins that are keeping them weighed down. And this goes hand in hand with 
biblical community being a place of mutual confession. Because after you confess, you need to have the confidence, you need to have the assurance that the people around you will not berate you, that they will not beat you down into the dirt, but instead they will walk with you and take you on this journey of restoration. Biblical community must be a place of restoration. And a big part of that restoration process is being an encouragement to each other. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. Oftentimes, the only place where we get encouragement as believers is in our Sunday service. It's something that has, for the most part, been relegated as the pastor's responsibility during his Sunday sermon. We hear expressions of this idea all the time around the church, often with people clamoring and expressing their desire for a word from God from their pastor. Yes, it is the pastor's responsibility in part to encourage the believers, but it's also the responsibility of each believer to encourage other believers, to remind them of the goodness of God, of our common hope in Christ Jesus and his return. Each of us go through things every day of the week, and in a biblical community, we are all responsible for encouraging and edifying each other. Biblical community is also a place where needs are met. Hebrews 13 verse 16 says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Acts 2 verse 45 also says, And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone may have need. The desire to meet each other's needs was a shared reality in the early church and should also be our reality today. Oftentimes, we determine meeting someone's needs by being able to give them money. And that is fine, but in biblical community, it means so much more. There's so many ways we can meet the needs of others, but oftentimes we just need to stop making excuses. We need to get over ourselves and be the blessing that people need in their lives. Paul tells Timothy that true believers should be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And sometimes all that takes is getting to know the people in your church family on more than a high and by level. But unfortunately, because we don't ever get beyond that point, the point where we just say, hey, how you doing? I doing good. You doing good? Yeah, I doing good too. We need to get beyond that level so we can know the needs that are present within our community and then be in a position where we can meet them. It's not enough to stay on the surface and not have an investment into building relationships with people in your community. It's absolutely important because we don't live in a bubble. We don't live in isolation. We are called to biblical community. So we have to, we have to meet the needs of others. And finally, where there is biblical community, hospitality is evident. First Peter 4 verse 91 says, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. 
Believe it or not, this verse is not a specific verse for your hospitality and greeters ministry at your church. This is a verse for each and every believer. Let me give you a common English translation of this verse. It simply says, welcome people into your home and don't grumble about it. In the early church, hospitality was absolutely essential given the everyday circumstances that a believer would face. Many believers didn't have homes or money due to persecution. Many were forced to leave their cities and towns and would need safe places to stay. If the church was to grow, believers that had homes would need to make them available to those in need. In fact, this is how the church grew, through house meetings. Could you imagine if believers back then never opened their homes and were not hospitable? The church's struggle would have been magnified even more. Many places in scriptures we are instructed to be hospitable. In Titus, we are told to be lovers of hospitality. In Hebrews, it says that we should never forget to entertain strangers. In Romans, it says that we should be given to hospitality. And in Peter, it says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Why? Why has all of these instructions been given in this area of hospitality? It's because our homes are the perfect environments to build relationships, to sit and talk, to share a meal, to find out more about each other and discuss the word of God and pray together. Our homes give us the opportunity to form deeper and more meaningful relationships that create bonds that cannot be broken. And that is what we need. We need deeper bonds between believers. And oftentimes, those bonds are formed within the confines of our homes. So what do we need to do to see this principle realized in our life and in our local community? Well, we need to get over ourselves. We need to open up our homes, invite people over, sit, talk, find out about other people in your church community, find out what they believe, talk about the word, pray together, and watch you become more connected not only to the person, but to your church family as a whole. Hospitality is absolutely essential to biblical community. I hope that you were encouraged to start incorporating some of these principles and to start cultivating a biblical community because biblical community is absolutely essential to the strength of the church as a whole. Be encouraged. Have a great day.